Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello and thank you so much for joining us as we drive it home. I am really excited to have in studio our guest. I want to see if I can bring this up on the... Uh, on our board. Funny how it all fell into place. You can see the journey in the lines upon my face. No way to think that there's no master plan. When I look at where I started out, then at where I am. I'm a wanderer. I'm a pilgrim. I have that that musician and singer in studio with us. It's Chris Jones and the Night Drivers. That's the music from his album. Can you not? Is it? Are the headphones not working for you? Uh, I can hear you. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. Yep. We're good. Yeah. Good. I know. I feel like I begin every show like this. Can you? Can anyone hear me? Can, yeah. <laughs> can you hear Perfect. me? Uh, Chris is in town, and we're thrilled to have him for the next hour or so. Uh, he's going to be performing all over the area, but uh, but the show's already sold out, so we can't even. Yeah, I can't folks. even promote it. I, we can talk about it, but uh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. That's, I, I, hey, it's it's good. I, I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm on the list. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, you have you travel all over the world performing, and I, I don't. Where have you been lately? Uh, the most exotic place I've been lately, I've played in Italy, and I do a thing as an alternative to my regular band, uh, an Italian dobro player named Paolo Ercoli, uh, I've known for a long, long time, we're old friends. We just started playing some shows together, which has been just a blast in, in uh, Italy and Switzerland, Germany, but uh, primarily in, in Italy, where he's from. He lives in the uh, the same town as the late uh, Silvio Berlusconi. Oh wow! So we, we refer to I refer to his sound as the Mar-a-Lago of Italy. <laughs> and, uh, so I've, that's fun. Yeah. How did How did they feel about that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's apparently a running joke when he plays with people in Italy and they announce him as being from the town of Arcore. Uh, it gets usually a laugh. Oh boy! Because it's like saying, "Hey, our uh, guitar player over here is from Mar-a-Lago." Oh nice boy! I for him, you know. <laughs> Now you have uh, you also have a show that you radio or podcast that you host a radio show right it's on Sirius yes, XM on Sirius XM yes uh, on two different channels so I, I I do a show on the on the Bluegrass Channel and also the Classic Country Channel which is Willie's Roadhouse oh nice I, I I've been thinking about Willie and also I read a piece about him because he he's turning ninety this year or has turned he's ninety he's already ninety yeah he's, I think 90. he's turning ninety one come uh, oh, was it I don't know if it's supposed to know his birthday oh no April I see, believe see now now that uh, I've put you on the spot it's in April? I think so. Okay. Because I, I love the story. My father was a big country music fan. He loved uh, Hank Williams, both, uh, senior and junior. Uh, Patsy Cline was his favorite. I was uh, Patsy until I started playing Little League Baseball. It just wasn't a good baseball name on an all-boys team. It didn't work. Patty was barely making it. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. <laughs> Patsy. Yeah, and I wasn't tough enough to pull it off. Patsy <laughs> Cline herself would have pulled it off on my Little League team. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, she was uh, remarkable. But that story about how he sold, basically, for two bags of groceries, the song Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's um, remarkable. 
Yeah, there are all sorts of interesting stories about his early days as a songwriter, his early days in Nashville, and uh, getting friends to to put him up. and And uh, he wrote the song "Hello Walls," which was a, a hit for Farron Young. And Farron Young was so convinced that this was going to be a hit when he heard it, he just insisted on advancing Willie five hundred dollars on his royalties, and uh, he took that, and then would never take the payment back. Finally, Willie repaid him with a... Uh, Farron also was a, a cattle rancher on the side. He and another country artist, Jimmy C. Newman, had a had a cattle farm, and, and uh, Willie decided to pay him back with a prize bull. He bought this expensive bull with <laughs> much more than $500 and just delivered it to him. That's, that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah, I, I am a, I'm a huge fan. And I, you know, my earliest memory, really, aside from my dad loving Willie Nelson, because he loved the album uh, Stardust. Yeah. I, I still have my dad's, uh, I have the vinyl of that one. And uh, But I was going down to Champaign when Farm Aid, I, wasn't, I was going down to visit my sister in Carbondale, Illinois, and I was passing through Champaign when Farm Aid was in town, which was something that he had put together uh, for, for rural parts of the country that were struggling. Yeah. It was, and they raised hundreds of millions of dollars, if I recall correctly. Oh, yeah. It's an annual event. Yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible. I, I was asking Chris uh, before, the, before we started about um, politics and government in Canada, because once in a while, because Twitter has changed so much, and I still call it that, I don't care, uh, because it's changed so much, and if I click on, if I see something ridiculous, some response to something, I'm like, okay, what, what else does this person have to say? Because usually what catches my attention is uh, – instigating violence or extreme hatred, right? Using words in place of others to be racist and, and prejudiced. And so I, I'll like, I, I want to see what else Twitter is letting people get away with. And, but so then that means once you click on that, because it used to not happen that way. You could click on something and not ha- then draw this horrific, you know, sort of a volume of hateful, spiteful, disgusting things. And once in a while, it'd be somebody from Canada who there was one a woman who was a fitness person, and she was, she and her dad she had her dad was in the hospital bed, and basically says you know to people go f yourselves with your masks just recently, and then he died of COVID. And it was a Canadian they were Canadian residents, and you for, we forget that you have also your far right extremist groups in Canada. Absolutely. And that's what the, uh, if you followed the trucker convoy that right. happened and uh, it was a very controversial situation. They blocked the, uh, I live in the province of Alberta. They blocked the Alberta U.S. border. And uh, by the time they got this going and they ended up in Ottawa, no one involved in it could actually explain what it was about. Right. But it was a general sort of right wing theme, you know, down with Trudeau, uh, let's not wear a mask kind of thing. But it was it was all very vague. But they just sort of ginned up this anger. A certain amount of this bleeds over the border. There's a certain amount of like right wing causes. Cause a lot a lot of people I know now, and this was not the case even ten years ago, are Canadian right wing Canadians are very keyed into U.S. politics because that's where they're getting their information. They're going online. And they're, they're uh, you know, reading Steve Bannon and all of this stuff and stuff that has nothing to do with Canada. But meanwhile, you know, they get involved in, in causes there. And uh, so I see a lot of this. And the other one part, and this was when I, when I traveled in Canada a long time ago in the 90s when people were telling me about the uh, extreme prejudice and racism against uh, the First Nations in Canada. And, and I... And I I had not even seen that here until recently. All of a sudden, there's this, like they've been holding back. 
back on telling us, you know, well, they weren't, you know, they weren't, they weren't doing anything that was useful. You know, they were, weren't doing anything with the land. It was really the people that came here and built things that deserve everything, not the people that were slaughtered and killed and, and, you know, disease that was spread because they hadn't, they'd been exposed to the kinds of things that uh, Europeans brought with them. And I, I just, I, I feel something, even though it keeps happening over and over again, I oddly still get surprised. Do you, do you find yourself getting surprised ever or? Oh, absolutely. And, and I just think in over the last decade and, and, uh, Donald Trump, you know, we we tend to blame him personally, but but you know, he may have facilitated right. the opening or made it okay to hold these views. And so once that was open, everybody all of a sudden became confident in their own prejudice, yes. and and that and that also crosses the border. It's uh, it's just it's not. People have said how it's not normal, but I would say it's not okay. I mean, people, we have to go back to people being ashamed of being hateful. And I don't know that it used to be people would, you know, look over their shoulder or like, you know, go off into their corners and stuff. Now I'll be in a, in a cafe in the middle or, you know, in the middle of Indiana and they're talking about how Trump is still the president. Uh, this is all. And then these really bizarre conspiracy theories, which, yes, of course, can be anywhere in the world. Well, I, I, I am on board with the Taylor Swift being a Pentagon agent. Uh, that's. <laughs> Uh, that seems really reasonable to me. Can you, can you, she's been around for quite a long time. This is not, and she was actually more vocal several years ago, and yeah. never like told you who to vote for. Just said register to vote, uh, and they have made her louder and more prominent than we have. It's it's amazing. It really is. It's kind of fun. Now, what, how do you feel about her as a as a country musician? Well, I mean, she started as a country musician. That's where she started, but she sort of moved beyond that. And, uh, you know, I think that the striking thing about her music has always been the, uh, just the individuality of it, the honesty of it. And, you know, it started out in her younger days, just, you know, teenage girl writing these honest songs about her experience and doing it really well. That's right. always been my, my feeling about it. And, uh, and also, and then just as a, as a, as a person and an artist, she has just demonstrated a whole lot of generosity through the years. Uh, she did a great thing of standing up for other artists when uh, Apple Music started and they started that streaming service. They were not going to pay new artists any royalties. They announced, you know, you're going to have to you know, wait a while before we can give royalties out to new artists. So Taylor Swift steps up. And I don't know when this is, this is maybe 20. 16 or something around that time. She said, okay, well, I'm pulling all of my music. You're not going to have any of it on Apple Music unless you pay new artists. She didn't have to do that. So uh, that made a real impression on me back then. That's, that is remarkable. I did not know that she had done that. I forgot about that. This was before I knew she was a, an agent of the Pentagon uh, spreading communism. But, yes. You know, this, I believe we, we she learned was, things. Yeah, I believe that they uh, have found the evidence of uh, liberal scientists, uh, you know, concocting with the, all the vials and just putting the right mixture of uh, what Republicans are going to hate. Exactly. <laughs> it's really crazy. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about this earlier this week about the Dixie Chicks who had also come under fire for being on stage and saying that they were embarrassed of, you know, their president. And like for people who talk about freedoms and the freedom to say what you believe and, you know, and, and look, there are consequences sometimes for what you say, but to threaten people's lives there and destroy their livelihood. I did love their, uh, not ready to say, you know, not ready to, what is it? Um, not ready that, to make nice. Not ready that. to make nice. Yes. When I, when I was let go from my previous employment, uh, I've listened to that quite a bit. <laughs> 
bit of trivia that the two sisters in the Dixie Chicks started out in a kids bluegrass band in Dallas. I first met them back then. Come you know? on. Yeah, they were and and they were incredibly talented back then. Uh, you know, multi instrumentalists and uh, played with uh, a brother and sister, uh, Sid and Sharon, or uh, I'm sorry, Troy and Sharon Gilchrist were their names. And uh, yeah, they were great when they were kids, just playing some bluegrass in Dallas. That's fantastic. We are in studio with with Chris Jones. Uh, he, along with uh, Chris Jones and the Night Drivers, you know, uh, regularly I, I play their music on this show. I haven't lately because we had some trouble with the, the board, and I'm like, oh, right, I can do it from this computer. Let's take a break here. I know we have some phone calls lining up. 773-763-9278. That's the number to call and join our conversation. And you can find Chris Jones's music at Chris Jones. Grass.com for bluegrass. ChrisJonesGrass.com. ChrisJonesGrass.com. And I also want to thank our sponsors, Kirk Bankstead at Monaco Brewing Company. Hopefully we'll have him in studio next week to give us an update on his new taproom in Madison, Wisconsin. In the meantime, you can go to MonacoBrewingCompany.com and find out about all their great brews and maybe some choice wine, your woke coffee. You can order a woke coffee mug. He's back in stock. I know he's got a great sense of humor about all this stuff. And uh, we also want to thank, go to MonacoBrewingCompany.com or follow him on Facebook because he's got some great uh, responses to all the haters out there. We all need a, we all need a good laugh here and there. We also want to thank Warren Price at European U.S. Collision Center, a division of Technocraft. You go to europeanus.com to find out about all the great work that they do, and he's located at 4080 North Broadway. Keep his information in your car in the event that you have an accident. You'll know who to call. And thank you to our friends at Kids Above All. That's kidsaboveall.org. Help them in their mission to help children who have survived trauma and tragedy in their lives. Uh, help them reach their their, their potential and the lead happier, healthier, safe lives. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hi, folks. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like Biden beer, which is inoffensive and not bitter, and Extinct Elephant, a moderate red ale. Because you know those moderate Republicans seem to be going the way of the dodo. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to keep Wisconsin blue and drive the MAGA cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. To keep track of the good trouble we're making in Wisconsin and where to buy our beer, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, MonacoBrewingCompany.com. And drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Well, hello to our friends in Catalonia, Spain. Hola, ¿qué tal? I don't speak very good Spanish, Chris. It's really embarrassing. Chris, jo- Chris Jones joins us in the studio. You can go to chrisjonesgrass.com and find out about all of his great music. Some of it I'll play in, throughout the show. And uh, he's in town performing. His show is sold out. But he's joining me at the Laugh Factory tonight. I am terrible at promoting my shows. Absolutely terrible. Uh, I have a show at the Laugh Factory tonight, Las, Ch- Las Locas uh, Ching- Chingosas, uh, tonight at 8 o'clock. Well, you promote your show because I can't promote mine, so right. let's, let's uh, hammer it home. You can wave hi at Chris at the show tonight. There you yeah. go. And uh, you can also, uh, again, listen to his music online. Go to chrisjonesgrass.com. Some of it's on YouTube. I will say something. You can check it out and then go buy some. Uh, Jim in Chicago has uh, some comments today. Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Of course, it's great to hear Chris because I really enjoy your songs, Chris. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you're you're welcome. I think they're terrific. But what's got my goat today, Patty, is this idea that the younger voters will stay home because Biden's too old. But the younger Republican voters will vote enthusiastically for Trump, who will celebrate his 80th birthday at the White House. Now, this this is ridiculous. All I can say is this, Patty. When I was my first was vote was for George McGovern. 
I wore his buttons. I knew he couldn't win, but I enthusiastically got to the vote, the vote for him. And I, I tell you, we, my generation, we had no time to wait four years. My friends were 19. The average age of the Vietnam soldier was 19 years old. My friends were going to draft at 18 and 19. All my friends from grammar school, a couple of guys got their eyes shot out. I can go on and on with it. We had no time. They were 19. I think every age of the soldiers was 19. So the young voter thinks he can sit around for four years and wait for a younger person. I find that absolutely ridiculous. Wait, I guarantee the Republican, the Republican voter will vote. They'll vote for if he was 103 years old, they'd vote for is, him enthusiastically. Are you, Go ahead, where, where are you hearing that uh, young voters are going to stay home because they don't, they think that Trump, that uh, Biden is too old, that uh, Biden it's is all, too it's old? All, it's all, it's all, it's, it's, you hear it, you hear it from some of the punsters, the, the, the pundits will say it. In fact, Joan had a, had a guy from California on the, the last segment said, well, a lot of people in California, younger voters won't vote for Biden. He's too old. But it sit it out. Oh, yeah, I, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you the Republicans kids ain't going to set it out. I think. So I, I, I think that the, the Republicans are tripping them, tripping all over themselves and, and parts of their bodies to alienate kids in the sense that I think it, it will anger them. I mean, did you see this story out of Indiana yesterday, where a state legislator was these young people were talking to them about gun safety and gun gun legislation, and he opens his coat and shows them his gun. And he's like, nobody cares about your feelings. Uh, I think that, look, in the election and, and whatever you might think about the results in the mayoral election here in Chicago, you know, Mayor Johnson was essentially the turnout for young voters was why he won. I, I know that the age is an issue, but I think that that Biden is showing his vibrancy, his leadership. I think that the economy is reflecting the, the guidance that he has and, and the selections he's made with the people on his uh, in his administration. Uh, and I think that tr- Trump will continue to, to drive people away. I, I'm sure there'll be young people who, because of their family traditions and religion, uh, because of their their hubris. Uh, Penny, yeah. Penny, Penny, people are going to vote Republican regardless. I mean, you're born Republicans. I know Republicans all my life. They're born Republicans. I mean, they, in fact, I remember watching Eisenhower's in 1958. I was with Grant's grandson, Ulysses S. Grant's grandson, watching it with his family. And they're cheering and cheering. They're cheering, and I started to cheer. I'm just a kid. I go across the street, and here's my my aunt with an Adlai Stevenson button on. And I suddenly raised my family was, we're all Democrats. Yeah. You follow me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you get that they're born that way. It's like Lady Gaga is, song. <laughs> go ahead. But my point is, I can't understand why somebody would care how old somebody. Who wants to sit out four years? Did you vote? I, I voted for my first president as soon as I could. Yep. I was. I think it was twenty one in my day. You had to be twenty one to vote because that was the McGovern election. But I never missed a. An election and never missed a Democratic vote in my life. Anyways, good to hear Chris and you, Patty, and you guys have a great show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the choice is going to be between Joe Biden and the rapist. That's that's your choice. I don't know what else to tell you, folks. Yeah, I can't imagine staying home in that situation if you're paying attention at all to right. who's involved. Even getting in the mind of somebody who sees Donald Trump and says that seems like a good idea. 
I, I just it, it, it is surreal to me. And as you mentioned, uh, that they were the folks that support him were already there. They had those sentiments, whether it's racist or misogynistic or uh, you know America first, all those make it when America was great. And they still nobody can. There isn't one period of time that someone can tell me when America was great. Uh, but I, uh, it was all there. It, it is they are the ones that are. I'm more concerned about. Obviously, his presidency, he doesn't stand for anything, folks. There is absolutely no policy there. It's all just bloviating. And they're all they're all in on that because he is their Trojan horse. They get what they want out of him, which is uh, just just absolutely dismantling human rights and dignity. Right. Putting in people in the Supreme Court that will do your bidding and overturn Roe v. Wade and strip women of their ability to have their own autonomy. We kind of forget that he personally was pro-choice up until the moment that he had to win the Iowa or tried to win the Iowa caucuses first time. Yeah. And that's why that's the only reason the evangelicals went along with him was because of that. And and have you seen this uh, ad that they created for him where he, you know, the second coming, that God made the plan and he made Trump to save us all. It's like it's the weirdest thing. That is very strange. I just saw it for the first time a couple of days ago. Oh, I was uh, I've talked about this a few times where for me, there are moments that remind, you know, like there are smells that can evoke memories and remind you of childhood and you're in that moment again. I was in the Mormon church until I was 10 years old and there are things, there are uh, sounds and, and a certain way of, of talking that reminds me of the kinds of like sort of, I had missionaries who would come to my house and show me these movies and the history of Joseph Smith and the Mormon church and all these things. And then of course at Sunday school, which I went from like nine to four, I'm pretty sure my mom wanted me to be a Mormon cause it was free childcare on Sundays. <laughs> but, uh, but it, but it reminds me of that sort of this this uh, the tone that you know uh, follow this or you'll be out in the cold. You have to this is the this is the warm place with this you know this guiding light. This is our and it just it's very and that's what some people need in their lives is a sort of magical thinking almost. But but that guy how does how does that happen? And what I've noticed is that people and there's a whole psychological phenomenon here I don't understand. But they they. Uh, Assign traits to Donald Trump that he doesn't even claim for himself. Right. They they just give him all of these qualities yeah. and these things. Here is this guy, and they basically sort of fill the rest in with everything uh, beautiful and golden I, and lovely. They do. They absolutely do. And there is um, just a disregard for, I guess, like I said, normalcy. There was uh, another. Do you, do you follow the good the good liars on uh, Twitter? It's a couple of guys that go to nope. a lot of rallies and they interview people and, and and they'll they'll trip them into their own crazy logic, right? And try to have them walk through it, work through it. But one string of videos is person after person after person being asked, uh, "Would you rather have four more years of Biden or Trump as a dictator forever for the rest of his life?" And pers- there were so many people that said, "I'd rather have Trump." And one guy was like, "Well, you know, I miss." behaved when I was in grade school and, you know, I needed to get smacked around a little bit and, you know, and it straightened me out. Maybe that's what we need. I was like, holy. I heard this. Yeah. Alarming. It is. Yeah. 
I can't, I don't, but that was what I was asking you came in about what your thoughts were on the, you know, if you, if you had a handle on how government works in Canada, because I really feel like maybe those people don't know what dictator means. Uh, maybe the people who, like I was explaining to Chris, uh, we've talked about this on and off in the last week about the voters in Iowa being angry about the economy and how their dollar doesn't buy as much anymore. And their minimum wage is half, almost half of what it is in the state of Illinois. There's seven dollars and twenty five cents, and don't even get me started on the child labor laws, Chris. Have you yeah. seen this in, in the country in the United States? Yeah, I've seen some. Yeah, it's... The, they want to be able to have them go to work until Florida now has a bill that they have up. And um, the Florida debate today was uh, a Democrat asked, okay, to the woman who was had, was introducing the bill, she's like, so what provisions are there for kids to take breaks? And the woman was like, well, the same as the adults. And she's like, well, what are the requirements for the adults? Well, whatever the adults were like. You have nothing. Yeah, it, let's let's take it back to about 1860, 1858, to get, right. if we can get back to that time. Well, the one element that folks don't seem to have, because they, they worry about them working in sawmills and in meatpacking plants and being exposed to chemicals on farms and things like that. In addition to that, for a group of people who are so hell-bent on saying that drag queens and reading uh, books about the LGBTQ community is grooming, imagine being a 14-year-old working around a bunch of adults. I mean, that, that, that kid is vulnerable to whatever's going on, the, the language, the treatment. I mean, sexual harassment for anybody is severe. Imagine being 14 years old and they're like, well, you know, they're, they're keyed in on their phones. Like, no, they'll think that the person, in their boss is their authority figure and they have to do whatever they want. You know, I've seen, relating this to, to music, I've seen some you know, very talented teenage musicians who went on the road with adult musicians and that was kind of their their life there and uh there was a lot of trauma involved there yeah. it, was a, it took some deprogramming and you know, it was very very unhealthy situation i think that's something that people are not taking into account we're gonna take a break here and we are going to check in with our good friend pete lee comedian pete lee is going to be in town and uh, alejandro i'm going to see if i if you got the number for pete lee on the document let me send you that phone number so we can get a hold of my friend pete who i believe he was on uh the tonight show this week i'm very excited about that chris jones and the night drivers uh you can go to the website uh chris jones grass and uh, get some of their music and find out about where he'll be next even though his show in the chicagoland area has sold out that's okay We'll get you next time. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I feel like I won something today because I have two of my favorite human beings joining me on the air today. In studio, bluegrass musician and a radio host in his own right, Chris uh, Chris Jones joins us in the studio. And on the line with us is comedian Pete Lee, who is appearing at Zanies in Rosemont this weekend. Pete, how are you doing? Uh- I'm doing great, Patty. It's so great to hear your voice. I, I I missed you. I know. I haven't seen you. I want to say probably in like five or six. Has it been that long? Like five or six years? 
It's been, yeah, it's been like five or six years. The last time I was in your studio, um, I don't, I don't think you're in the same studio. It was the, the WGN studio where like the, you were in like the fishbowl and then the, the, the people outside would just come up and just like lean their heads against the window and breathe at it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I saw more than I needed to on Michigan Avenue in the old Tribune Tower. People would rub their bellies against it. Uh, people, there were guy, one guy took a leak one day outside the studio because they couldn't see in. They didn't realize there were people in there. Yeah. It was a very strange place. And, and since then, and, and you, I believe you were just about, you had just had, I think your first tonight show with Jimmy Fallon and now you're on your eighth appearance. Yes. Yeah, I had my uh my eighth one last week. It was like it was crazy. It was uh like everybody everybody kept asking me they're like, "Well, when you do eight, do you get less nervous?" And I'd be like, "No, I'm 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 terrified. I'm super nervous." And then the day of uh the Tonight Show, I was just super chill. I was laid back and um I, I went out, you know, like I went out and did the thing and afterwards I was like, "Oh man, that felt like a normal show. Like it felt it felt just really fun." And then um, uh, Jimmy, when we were walking off, he's like, he's like, all time greatest set. He's like, I'm going to say it right now. And then he said it in front of my wife, in front of my family. And, uh, and I was like, wow, that was, re- that was really nice of him. And then um, my uh, management and agents got uh, emails from, like, all his producers. And they're like, yeah, apparently Jimmy thinks that's the best set he's ever had on the show. I'm like, oh, so he really felt that way. Like, he, he said it to everybody. And um, uh, I, you know... I watched it and I was like, oh, wow. you know, it, it felt like a magical moment. It really felt great. So I, I feel so perhaps maybe maybe being really relaxed is great. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, because there is like, the, you know, no matter how long you've been doing stand up comedy, uh, we'll have those nights where just, you know, for whatever reason, trying new material, the audience, whatever. But when it goes well, I mean, there's I can't explain the feeling to folks. And then on top of it, to have it to be on the Tonight Show. I mean, magic. Absolute magic, Pete. It's really wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was on the show with Dwayne uh, Wade, the basketball player, uh, <laughs> who I'm 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 way funnier than him. Um, <laughs> like, like, I can't play basketball better than him, but I'm way funnier than Dwayne Wade. And then um, Ken Jong, who, uh, you know, he's obviously very, very funny, very hilarious stand-up comedian. Uh, he was awesome in the, the Hangover movies. But I didn't tape the show with them. I taped on Justin Timberlake's episode oh. because uh, it was, yeah, it was like a little bit of TV magic. So it was really interesting because the you know Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake are best friends, and you know, and so and the crowd knows that, and the fans of the show know that. So um, so basically, Justin Timberlake went on, and then I went on right after that. So I was like, oh well, they're either, they're either gonna you know, the the crowd is either going to have peaks seeing him and then not want to see anybody after him, or they're going to be so psyched that anything that comes after him, they're just going to be like, this is the best and there's icing on the cake. And luckily it was the, it was the second thing. Like they, I went out there and the crowd was like Muppets. They're, they're like, Oh, we're seeing the best show ever. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was just the beneficiary of uh, of the Justin Timberlake wake, basically, is, uh, hey. is how it went. And 
Well, and it's also your extra- oh. your extraordinary talent, your writing, your performance, and just, I mean, I'll tell you my favorite moment with Pete Lee. We were in North Carolina doing a comedy festival, and uh, we, we were working out, and uh, I, I don't know what I, he was on a treadmill, on a Stairmaster or a treadmill, I don't know what it was, but he goes, Patty Vasquez, <laughs> you and I are going to be friends. <laughs> it was just like one, yeah. of, it was like one <laughs> of the sweetest things I've ever heard. Like I just, I'm like, you know, sweating, trying to stay in shape, and he's like, well, we're going to be friends. And I love that about you. You know, you just you bring a lot yeah. of joy. And, and I think you and I are similar in the sense that we've we've lived lives that people can't really uh, imagine from our childhoods. And uh, and we just kind of take life on and go, I'm going to have a good time. I don't, I, there's going to be crappy things that happen along the way, but I'm going to have fun to do something with this. Yeah. Yeah. I think having a crappy childhood kind of sets you up for a good life, you know, for the rest of your life. Well, unless you're, you know, in jail because of it. But uh, <laughs> I, I had a therapist. I had a therapist when I was a freshman in, in college. I, I just I, I maybe imbibed too much and realized that I was dealing with something. And I went to talk to her and told her all these things. And she goes, I can't believe you haven't killed somebody by now. And I was like, oh, OK, I'm doing, I'm doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, hey, you know what? Um, I I thought you had, and I was still accepting you as a friend. You know, I just thought you got away with it. That, <laughs> that's how accepting I am do, uh, do, for our friendship. Do you find that because you're so nice uh, and, and you have that that, that warm fuzziness uh, for audiences, do do you find that people like over like they don't know where the boundaries are of where they they've gone too far? Like they don't know that there are limits to our niceness. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Oh yeah, especially when you're doing a meet and greet after I I do meet and greets after the show. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I'm selling merch. Other times, you know, I just my my wife is like, you're like a man that thinks that he's living in the 1950s. Like you're you're like I just did a show. I should go shake their hands. And that's how I, that's just how I think. I'm like, yeah, of course, if they're going to, if they're going to dress up and, you know, shower and put on cologne and have dinner and then come see me, I'm going to go shake their hand afterwards. And, um, she thinks that's the, the strangest thing, but after strangers have had alcohol and a good time, you know, and then they, they kind of feel like they know you after doing a show. Yeah. They'll say some stuff to you that you're like, you're like, Oh, I, uh, you shouldn't be that comfortable. Yes. <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> yeah, it's it, they'll share things about their spouse that's embarrassing, you know, or, or whatever. It, yeah, there, I think there are a lot of fights in the car after people uh, get comfortable and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> you bring that up. I love that. No, it's it's been uh, it, it's always great to see you on stage, and, and I know that you're gonna have great shows. You're you're at Zany's Rosemont this weekend, uh, and and folks, if you're gonna go talk to him, uh, have boundaries. Uh, buy buy some merch. Yeah. <laughs> leave your spouse out yeah. of it. Yeah, leave your spouse out of it. Uh, you're at the Zany's Rosemont this weekend. Tomorrow, the yeah, second. Zany- yeah, Zany's Rosemont, um, and the the early show Saturday is already sold out, which is good. Um, but uh, I, I I'm now at a point because of social media and releasing videos every day that um, shows are starting to sell out. And then um, so if people want to get tickets, you should like really go online and get tickets now because I get a lot of messages from people that they're like mad at me and they're like, well, we can normally get tickets right up until the the show time. And I'm like, well, I'm 
hey, I'm a little more popular now, okay? <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, so I guess uh, the, the tickets going well has actually made people upset with me, which is my nightmare. And when you do, when I see your comedy videos, they're always, it's always material. I don't, I, I, maybe I have missed some if you do, because the crowd work for comedy is, I, I love Gary, Gary Goldman's uh, thing about, I'm not going to cast you in my TikTok video right now, front row, don't worry about it. Do you do a little bit of both or, or do you mostly post stuff that's material? I do a little bit of both. I, um, you know, I, I've been during this project of posting every day, I've been doing little, like, like I probably do like 60% material, 40% crowd work, but I don't post any crowd work unless I feel like it's special. Right. Um, like, like unless it's, it, cause I, uh, when I'm scrolling on social media and I hear somebody go, so how did you two meet? I'm like, next, I, I don't care. It's got to be a really interesting question. It's got to be an interesting thing that is coming up with the person. Um, I had a lady, this is uh, the, the series that I posted this week of crowd work. Uh, there was a gal, I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, and I just said, I asked the crowd, I go, hey, did you guys have any Thanksgiving drama? And the lady goes, yeah. So the night before Thanksgiving, um, she goes, my, my boyfriend was being kind of a jerk. And she goes, so I broke up with him. And then she goes, then I felt bad, and I, I, I invited him to Thanksgiving, uh, you know, because oh. I broke up with him the night before Thanksgiving. Oh, God. She goes, so... Yeah, and so I'm kind of feeling bad for this guy. She goes, well, then he came to Thanksgiving, and he was drunk, and he was being a real jerk. She goes, so as a family, we had a meeting, and we decided uh, we'd have a really good Thanksgiving, but we to do so, we had to put him in the shed. And I go, what? Like you? So she, as a family, they locked this guy in the shed. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have so many questions. I'm like, this is a crime. I'm now an accessory. I was like, is he still in the shed? <laughs> and she's like, she was like, no, we let him out. She, she goes, he agreed that he could come out of the shed if he got on a bus to Ohio. And um, so then there was a whole, you know, big thing about, like, which is worse, being in the shed or having being on a bus to Ohio. And, uh, yeah, so like sometimes crowd work is really unique and special and hilarious. And, um, uh, and, and by the way, uh, yeah, the, the guy's okay. You know, <laughs> nobody got hurt. I never post anything where somebody got hurt, you know, like, like that's a, that's a, that's a bad thing. Um, I just, but yeah, I, I love, yeah, go ahead. I love it when I can learn something really unique about someone and then share it and, you know, share that on the internet. Like that's, it, that's really interesting to me, but I don't want to hear like, no, you guys are, you know, Oh, you two are friends, but you've never, you've never hooked up and you're in the front row. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I've seen that a million times. I don't right. want, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. The people who they're on a first date and then we have fun with that because why would you ever bring it? But you know, we've all seen that. I just realized why TikTok comedy is so popular. It's basically little mini Jerry Springer vignettes is what people are getting from those clips. It is. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, um, like I've now started to ask people specifically what their drama is. And so I'm like, I'm like, and I'm getting really juicy, fun stuff, but I, so I don't know if comedy is going down the toilet or if Jerry Springer just needed to be way funnier, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it's, it's interesting, you know, like it's, it's very like, 
having comedians talk to people about their problems is really funny. But like, I, I don't know. Do you find I, that you're trying? You're looking I, for I, looking for those stories more now than you did 15 years ago, or were you, had you always done? Because I only talked to the crowd when they were being disruptive. Otherwise, I you know I've got material, that, <laughs> I've, and I would have I would have people who would go out of their way because they like the way I handle it. I'm like, that's not why I got into this. Yeah, I I mean. I'm so it's funny because every once in a while I'll have somebody, you know, just just see one crowd work video and they'll go, they'll say, like, why do comedians have to pick on the audience? Why don't you have any material? And I'm like, man, I I have hours of material. You know, in fact, one of the reasons why I don't just release all material online is because I'm I'm trying to save material for my next special. And I think material is what I specialize in. But crowd work to me is the crowd work to me is fun. Like you're, you're just messing around. Um, I don't have a podcast. And so it's kind of my little way where I can like interact with somebody and then maybe share a personal thing, you know, from my life or whatever. Um, but I never post a clip unless I really think that the punchlines in it are, are special and almost like, you know, almost as good as material. But, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I actually forget where I was going with that. Well, no, we were talking. No, I was asking about about the uh, the clips, whether that was material or crowd work. And I and I what I, I think because you are such a great writer and performer, and you have like that curiosity about people, so that you you'll follow that thread, right? That train of thought, and and either guide them or you know get more information from them. And the other thing about you and I and people, my husband laughs at me because I I always talk, I I love people who have a lot of whimsy pete lee has you have oh. a lot, you have a lot of whimsy does that make sense i know it sounds like such a like throwback yeah. word but you have whimsy and that that's what makes no, it so enjoyable I love that. yeah you, i love that i i love that i have when i love that you said that i have whimsy and you have whimsy as well <laughs> i well i mean we're we're essentially going up in sort of you know, a lot of times the crowd has a lot of negativity about them because of their lives, you know, like, like people have, people have really hard lives. They have a lot of stuff that's hard and we have to pretty much go up there and kind of like judo flip their negative feelings and, you know, and turn it into positive feelings. And so to do that, you have to have a little bit of whimsy, you know, like like you have to go, Oh, Hey, I'm talking to you and your, your negative, uh, your, your negative energy is going to turn into positive energy. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, that's, that's our job. And sometimes people are resistant to it, but we'll keep doing it anyway. Uh, How, how are you feeling traveling? Are you uh, on the, are you flying all the time? Or are you able to sort of spend a little bit of time week to week in a couple places, at least, you know, two or three nights? Like this weekend, you'll be here for three nights, right? Oh, yeah. I'm so I'm real happy to be here for three nights. I um, uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're catching me post travel day nap. Like we're both very familiar with that, where you you wake up super early in the morning and then, you know, you you take this weird daytime like second sleep and then, uh, and, you know, and then and then you wake up and you you're like, oh, I hope I'm entertaining, you know, <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, I in the last week I've been in Los Angeles or I've been in Phoenix, Los Angeles, Nashville, uh, New York City, uh, Seattle, and then now here in Chicago. So like like travel has been uh, crazy lately, but 
It's Patty. It's just because I'm so funny. Well, you are that funny, <laughs> and everyone should be following Pete Lee on social media, if only to see some of his comedy. But also your beautiful pooch, who uh, it looks like you get to travel with as well. Yeah, he's he's literally laying against my leg right now. Um, he yeah he. Um, he, he traveled with me to Seattle and then, um, uh, he got to, he hated Seattle. It was raining <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, buddy, that's what it does here. And he, my, my dog hates the rain and he, he won't go number two in the rain. And I'm like, well, buddy, you're just not going to go number two the whole time we're here. Cause that's what it does in Seattle. <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, we got, we got to, I'm, I, I hate to say it, but we got to Chicago today. And the first thing he did was, uh, <laughs> uh he crapped all over your city. So. Hey, hey, look, <laughs> if we make him feel comfortable enough to just let it loose. I think that we have served our purpose. It was a beautiful sunny day. This is the warmest we've had, uh, in, in probably, well, since Christmas, it was very warm on Christmas day here too. So it's like Christmas for Pete Lee in Chicago. We, we set it up just for you. This feels like Christmas. It feels really good. Yeah, he, uh, my my dog actually was um, uh, rolling along, uh, like rolling around on the lawn of the hotel because you know there's still like underneath the snow that came, there's still green grass somehow. Yep. It's yep. it's very odd. And uh, I guess you guys keep getting snow and then sunshine and snow and sunshine. And yeah, people were uh, people stopped and actually they they went, "What is he doing?" They're like, is he having, you know, some sort of a, like a, a medical event? And I'm like, no, he's just happy. He's just rolling around because he, he rolls on his back and he goes like, <laughs> and he tries to bite the grass and it's, he's, he's hilarious. He's the, he's the best guy to travel with. But, um, I will say this, like, uh, I have all those patches all over my dog, like service animal, do not pet. And everybody's always like, oh, you're strict or, or like, or I better not pet him because he probably bites or, you know, like, like that's a secret. And I'm like, no, he's not going to bite you if you pet him. I just don't want, I don't want a hundred hands on my dog a day, you know, cause like that's essentially yeah. like having like a hundred handshakes. I was, I was in the men's room and this guy just got done taking a leak and then he turns around and he goes oh can i pet your dog and i go no i go you haven't even washed your hands yet i'm like that's disgusting <laughs> and like the like the guy um you know how sometimes we're we're, we're so quick-witted from being on stage and you just like you almost like snap at somebody like you're on stage like an audience is gonna laugh and then you realize that when you're just in this bathroom you're just mean and uh that, that's what i was <laughs> to this guy but also, don't touch my my dog with your yeah. uh, with your weird hands. Your, your weird hands. Keep your weird hands, your, your uh, bathroom hands away from my dog. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your weird hands to yourself, pal. Yeah. Well, hit the road. Scram. <laughs> well, that'll be your tip for the weekend, folks. You can come see Pete Lee, but keep your weird hands well. Are you bringing the dog to the club? Um, yeah, he'll come to the club. Uh, my, my wife's flying, fly, she's on a flight here right now. Um, so she'll bring the dog to the club probably like Saturday night or something like that. And, uh, he like, he'll actually come out and like, you know, go to my meet and greet and, um, like, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, he, he loves a comedy club after hours. He loves running around like off leash, trying to find, you know, a piece of popcorn that somebody, the, the, you know, that the cleaners missed or something like that. Or like, Oh, if he finds a French fry, it's gold, you know? So a little Hoover. Yeah. He's, 
Yeah, he loves. He, we call them comedy club zoomies, where he'll he'll just he will run the club like it's a dog run for like twenty minutes. Oh well, I uh, folks, you can see Pete Lee and possibly meet Diesel as well. Uh, he'll be at Rosemont <laughs> Zanies this weekend. The Saturday show is already sold out, so if you want tickets, go to Zanies dot com and get your tickets. And I hope I get to see you again soon, Pete. I'm I'm busy this weekend too. I'm gonna try to get to Rosemont. I'm gonna see if I at least get you a hug, so I can see you in person oh, I, for the first time I, in years. I'd love to give you a hug. I would I would absolutely love that. Well, I miss you, Patty. It was nice chatting with you. Great to talk to you, too. Everyone, follow Pete Lee on Instagram, on TikTok, all the social media. You'll, it, you know what? Every single day you'll have something fun to watch. Uh, and you won't, you, you'll thank me. I'm going to get a lot of phone calls from people thanking me for bringing you into their lives if they didn't already know you. Because uh, to know you is to be a better person, Pete. Thank you. Oh, oh thank you, Patty. All right. I'll see you soon, my friend. <laughs> I'll see you soon. All have right, fun. See you very soon. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I can talk to Pete forever. I've got, I've got, we've got to keep, Chris, you're in studio. I see when I get favorite people around me, I can't, I can't say goodbye. Uh, that's the way, that's a good thing. He's a, he's a really great comic. Let's take a quick break here and catch up some more with Chris Jones. He has to run too. Everyone, I just, okay, let me take a break here. We'll take a phone call and, uh, and catch up some more on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. That's what I would do. We are in studio with Chris Jones, and he also was just telling me he writes a humor column. Where can we find the humor column? Yeah, it's uh, there are a fair amount of bluegrass music in jokes. I'll, I'll warn you, but there's some <laughs> you know some things of interest to the general population nice. as well. It's it's uh, bluegrasstoday.com, and uh, yeah, I've been at this for a, a, a number of years. The weekly deadline is always Tuesday night, so you know Tuesday about four o'clock. I'm thinking, hmm. Time to think of something funny. Oh boy, yeah, I I do. A, well, obviously, I do the show, and then I I'm a stand, I have comedy tonight, and I'm trying to figure out what material to do. Can I fold in some new stuff? And then I start getting anxious because you know you want to also want the audience to have a good time. They're not there for you to try. I mean, it's not the same. It's not the same for a comic. We can go to open mics and things like that. If I do comedy every day, I can try out something new in the middle of a 45 minute set or a 15 minute set. But whew, it's a uh, it's a lot of pressure. And you're performing tonight, am yes. I correct? <laughs> yes, tonight at the Laugh Factory over on Belmont near Broadway. Uh, the show starts at 8 o'clock. It's Las Locas. And I'll be joined by Gwen, 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 Gwen LaRocca, Soli Santos, uh, Yanis Rodriguez. It'll be a great show. And I'm very excited about that. Thank you for reminding me. Go to LaughFactory.com. I can't wait to be there. I appreciate that. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. Dave, I'll take a call when we come back. I didn't want to race you into the last minute of the hour. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks, says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses, says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. We are so thrilled that you're joining us as we drive at home. And hello to our friends listening on KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, you also have heard the wonderful music uh, from Chris Jones and the Night Drivers. He joins us in studio and he has a show to, this weekend in Chicago. Well, he's, he's, he's passing through kind of. Yeah, passing through, just uh, playing in, in Skokie at uh, Siemens Violins there. Just a wonderful place with a, a, a Chicago legend, a mandolin player, Don Sternberg. So we're playing as a duo. 
really excited. Unfortunately, we're full, so it, I, I can't really promote the show, but... Well, we're excited that you're in town, and it's great to have you in the studio. And, and Chris will be uh, hanging out for a little bit at the Laugh Factory tonight because I'm performing with Las Locas. And we'd love to have you. You've got time to get there. You've got uh, two hours to get to the Laugh Factory. I mean, not from Minneapolis, St. Paul. That's a tough That's a tough haul. But uh, we're uh, it's uh, over there on Broadway near Belmont. Earlier, when we uh, were taking calls, and uh, Jim called in and said that people are born either Democrats or Republicans, or that, that he knew people that were born Republicans. And I think that Dave from Hoffman State, who has been has been hanging on there through our conversation with our good friend Pete Lee. Uh, wanted to join the conversation with me and Chris. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, Patty. Hey, Chris. Hey. That, uh, I, like I said to the Alejandro, the screen, I said, I disagree with that one because <laughs> let's give you some, uh, some guys right now that have been in the news kind of politically expedient. Uh, Lieberman, Manchin, RFK Jr., Cinema, they were all Democrats, and now look where they are. I, They're trying to. Right. Well, I, think, on, I think that, and, I, and I, maybe for older voters or, or and even younger voters, look, there's a book called uh, Strangers in Their Own Land. Uh, it is a journalist that went down to uh, to interview people who were you know living in poverty, uh, didn't have access to health care, and, and she wanted to know why they continued to vote for people who wanted to withhold aid and support and those kinds of resources. And they all said you know it was their family traditions or it was about guns and religion. And and for and I think there are people that are are born into an environment and and some people push back against it. They're like uh, leader Jim Durkin, who I'm trying to get a hold of actually, he used to be the uh, Republican floor leader in the General Assembly of Springfield, his entire family were all Democrats. Like, he would talked about how they were all liberals and he was the only Republican. So, I mean, there is that kind of... Some people are, and I think Jim just maybe knows people that are. And some people... Look, my dad was a Republican, my mom was a Democrat, so I had grew up in a unique situation. Yeah, you cancel out each other's vote. Exactly. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. But, uh, That's right. The um, And another one, don't forget, 15, 20 years ago, Trump was a Democrat. If you recall, he had both Bill and Hillary Clinton were invited to his wedding to Melania. They were friends back then. Right. And thinking about them, like in my case, you know, my mom and dad were Democrats by the virtue that they were, you know, Depression era, young youngsters, yeah. you know, that were born. Yeah. Or, well, they were, and FDR gave them jobs. But I think and my dad was in all of them. He was in that WPA, the CCCs, and then he went in the army. And that's, so he was, he was a you know they were staunch Democrats. I mean, if they would hear me sometimes when I talk about that, is it locked in? They <laughs> maybe they would disown me. I'm more middle of the road. I, I mean, just because they got a capital D doesn't mean that they're impervious to any kind of a. <laughs> Uh, Sid, right. if you will. Oh, well, you know how I feel about that. I agree. I, I also think, but there are folks, look, we talk about these things. We we follow the news stories. A lot of people, I mean, I would say most people don't spend as much time. Most people don't spend as much time as we do thinking about this and yeah. trying to work our way through it. And so relying on what they grew up with or what, what their friends and their family are drawn to, it, it is part of, of their, their culture is to be a conservative Democrat. Uh, I, I just think I think that that is true for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I remember my mother would talk about uh, somebody in town that was a, mind you, was a very small town. So everybody kind of knew each other and that. It wasn't quite Mayberry, but <laughs> damn close. But uh, 
She'd go, oh, that was, that's a diehard Republican. I said, well, then what are you? Are you a diehard Democrat? Shut up. <laughs> Just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. leave you on this one. That um, Did you hear the other day where where Trump was trying to poach on how the stock market's been doing so yes. well? It's because of him. Yeah, he's trying to take credit for it. Yeah. 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 Because they say that. Big business figures, he's going to get elected, therefore that's why the market's going so well, because yeah. of him. Yeah, exactly. God, talk about the hubris. Anyway, Delusional. let me let Thanks. you go so you get to the other callers, Thanks. but I just thought I'd throw this stuff. Thanks, Dave. Have a good night, guys. You too. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, did your family, did you grow up in a household that, that uh, talked about politics, Chris? Yes, definitely. My parents were definitely independents. They, they did not identify with one party or another. My dad tended to dislike most presidents. Oh, really? And, and he, I, he liked Obama. Okay. Uh, he liked Johnson. Oh. And but you know he he didn't like Kennedy he didn't really like Carter he didn't you know oh. he really didn't like Nixon uh, and so yeah they they had independent views I, the most staunchly democratic member of my family was my grandmother in Michigan and I keep thinking of her because of how much she would love Gretchen Whitmer oh what a great job she's yeah. been doing yeah and uh, but yeah she lived in Flint and was was uh, was pretty staunch with my my parents but we we talked about issues all the time and. Uh, that was just a common common discussion. My parents were were divorced, but but uh, I, I talked about that stuff with both of them. How did your How did your dad feel about Reagan? Not a fan. Yeah, oh, at, at he, all. Well, and and he, you know somebody mentioned this. I think I don't know if it was this week or last week. A caller was talking about. I think it might have even been Steve from the Gold Coast uh, talking about how it takes about fifty years for us to like see what a moment, what the impact is, or what that true, you know. We can reflect on it. And Reagan, if you look at what's going, I mean, where we are now, whether it's, you know, all the deregulations, environmental and wages and, uh, you know, sending so many, I mean, corporations being able to send their jobs. I mean, we, we lost all of our manufacturing because of Reagan. Yeah, I mean, that, and that stuff takes a while to show up. It can sometimes <laughs> take 10 years. And some of the, one of the financial crashes was, could be traced back to that. To, right. Just to, and the biggest thing was destabilizing unions, right, with the um, the air traffic controllers, and then showing big business and even the government that you know we don't we don't have to we don't have to listen to them. We don't have to let them bargain. We can just shut it all down and fire them. Yeah. It's uh and and which is really uh, I think this last year and and the last couple of years the momentum and the energy behind the labor movement has been incredible. I'm excited about that. Uh, because at a time when you have so many states, so many red states that basically, like Nikki Haley said that the retirement age should be 70. Uh, you know, can you imagine in France, they were they were rioting because they were raising it to 62. Yeah, between that and child labor, we are definitely on a backward chorus. And, and I guess sometimes it's got to get down to this point when... It, to get people mobilized. I think we're yeah. seeing some of that. Well, yeah. You, first, you're forcing women to uh, endure pregnancies that might be dangerous for them or they didn't want or, or can't have, uh, you know, whether it's a danger to themselves or their future, uh, then child labor, and then work till you're 70. They want it from the cradle to the grave, Chris. And I, it's, it's really, if people would just look at that and pay attention, but... We marinated it, so we go crazy. What? Uh, where are you off to after this weekend in uh, the Midwest? You're heading down to Tennessee as well, or? 
Yeah, I'm heading back to Alberta, and actually I'm forcing my band to come all the way up to northern Alberta, where it was 40 below zero a week say. and a half ago. And uh, I have a relatively new bass player who's from New Orleans, and he's uh, getting ready for, for uh, climate shock but we're uh, we've got some shows up there and I'm very glad to have them in my home turf and the, the the weather forecast isn't bad it's, it's sort of normal like a Fahrenheit scale single digits and it's not snowing so uh, we're happy I told them to pack long johns so we're, yeah, no uh, kidding. we're doing a show up in Fort St. John British Columbia which is uh, a couple of hours from me north and, and uh, in a little place called Demet Alberta so it's going to be fun to, to get them up in my home Demet alright then <laughs> I'm sure they'll be saying debit a lot. Exactly. <laughs> what are the uh, citizens? I know that we've talked about this before because you're still a citizen of the United States. Yes. Uh, but you can live in how long? Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. I'm just saying in the event that something catastrophic happens in November, <laughs> we're looking at Portugal, <laughs> Ireland and Canada, maybe Mexico. Just yeah, I, I'm in the last four years or the last eight years and, and this is happening again, people are seriously asking. And people always do that, hey, it might be coming up your way, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting serious inquiries about this. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, people well, are worried. When someone says they're going to be a dictator on day one, which implies then you're going to be a dictator, yeah, people get nervous. Well, thank you so much for coming in studio. I'll see you in a couple hours at the Laugh Factory. I know you've got to go off and uh, get ready for the, the next evolution of your uh, evening. Yeah. Uh, it's a busy weekend. And, uh, so I will see you tonight and uh, and then go to chrisjonesgrass.com for all of Chris's great yep. music. And Chris Jones Grass works for most social media platforms as well. Chris and Jones is a very ordinary name, so just tack, <laughs> tack grass on there. Yeah, grass. Put grass. And also he's got uh, two shows on a Sirius XM, so check those out as well. And uh, always great to see you, Chris. Be well. Great, Patty. Take care. Let me take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, Judy's got a story to tell, with, tell us from Niles Moore in a moment on WCPT 820. Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technocraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200, or europeanus.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Thank you for hanging out with us. I uh, was trying to find some audio. Uh, Marjorie Trader Green was... uh, I don't know if it was during the impeachment hearings with Mayorkas, but by the way, Ken Buck says he's not voting for the impeachment because there's nothing uh, criminal. They just have a disagreement over policy and like there, right there. That's what you say. That's how I handle that. Uh, but Marjorie Trailer Green was reading something about what the rules for impeachment. Why? They, anyway, she can't say she she doesn't know how to say the word indictment. Um, apparently she didn't know the. We, we put a C in the middle of a word. It can be confusing, and I get that. But she said, uh, you know, I want to find the audio. But she said, indictment. <laughs> I wonder what she does when she gets to the word colonel. <laughs> anyway, Judy in Niles. Judy, what happened? What's going on? Oh, I, I wanted to tell you, but I'm I'm speaking under duress. I have a big wad of 
gauze in the corner of my mouth. I had my tooth pulled today. I finally had one of my wisdom tooth. So, so Judy, are you calling us all hopped up on codeine? What's going on? <laughs> uh, well, it should have worn off, but I'm sure taking another one before I go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Feeling good? He gave me 10 of them. I'm going to go out on the corner and sell them. Well, be careful with that. Uh, but our, so oh, I've taken it a lot of times, and I'm 83. I think if I was going to be addicted, it would have happened before now. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I so what? Uh, what was? Uh, what, what was wrong? Yeah. Oh, well, we were going to this other dentist, and as you know, I told you I. People say have been told me that I had a big mouth, and I don't actually. So the dentist we we're going to couldn't x-ray the bottom he did the top under great pain you know shoving that thing in there and so my my son was going to another one in Niles with his wife and they have the thing that goes all the way around your head you know and gets your whole head and they discovered that my wisdom tooth so all those previous years thank goodness nothing happened but I had a it was cracked Oh, and, and no. the, the, oh, it's yeah. horrible. This doctor said, I think you should get it out because it might, you know, get bad at an inconvenient time. And I said, yes, exactly, on a big holiday or something. You know, and you don't want it to, you know, get, you know, whatever that, you know, underneath the tooth. So, yeah, they asked me, Ugh. he said, you want to wait? And I said, no, I want it out. But uh, it still is bleeding a little. Other than that, I'm feeling fairly good. Well, I, want- I, I was I was going to ask about if if Chris was still there. I like country music, but I like northern country music. Okay, you remember uh, one of the stations used to have Stuart McLean on. Which before I fell in love with you, I religiously listened to Stuart McLean. I, I think he may have died, but um, because he went off, off for a while because he was sick. But they had great music, and it was all you know Canadian country music and and the northern tier of Illinois too. Oh, yeah, I'm not familiar. Yeah, yeah I'm not familiar with the different styles of northern and other parts. Well, you, well, first of all, they don't talk. They they don't stand down here in. Carolina or Georgia or Alabama. I mean, it doesn't appear in their song. <laughs> but um, there's one uh, five generations in the kitchen. This guy said, and I just loved that. Song. I thought it was so cute. <laughs> because you know, it's Christmas or some big holiday, and all the women were out in the kitchen. And there was, my mother had five generations. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <All> wow. <lies. laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> No, I think his is three generations. That would make more sense. Mm. Very few people have what my mother had. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, you... I heard it coming out, too. The tooth was going, you know, crunch, crunch. Oh, <laughs> was, ah! yikes. Well, I, I hope that you uh, continue to feel well tonight. And uh, it's always good to hear from you, Judy. And I wish you a quick recovery from your surgery. Well, like I said, I can hear you till six now. 
Oh, well, there you go. Oh, then, yeah, it's well, coming if you call back in, you, if you hang on the phone, you can listen to the rest of the show that way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know what my phone bill will be because this is a landline. Ah, I see. All right. Oh, well, Judy, it was good to hear from you. And uh, but you've got to you got to have your your son hook you up with uh, with an app on the cell phone or at least on a computer so you can listen online. It's just heartlandsignal.com. Well, if I learn, if I get good at my husband's phone. Uh-huh. We decided we only needed one. We go everywhere together usually anyway. Right. And and everybody made us get a phone because we're old and we're on the road. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, well, just for safety. Well, just download the app, tune in, tune in, and you can listen to the show for free on WCP. Because, you know, he's got kids all over the place. Uh, yeah. He's got one in Carolina and one in Maryland and... Um, the one that's here it was just on a trip to the Antarctic. So, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's quite, yeah, quite, so the, it, quite the scattered yeah. family. Yep. Yeah. Well, she just she's back here now. She lives in Long Grove. Oh, nice. So, that's nice. Yeah, that, I love that area. It's very nice. They have her husband had a quite a large thing. Of course, she wasn't going to live in that house. But she completely redid it, but it's very nice. Oh, wonderful. It's good to have. I'm, I'm sure it's good to have her close by. Thank you for calling, Judy. Yeah. Okay. Everybody have a good night. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Let me, uh, here's, I found the audio of Trader Green not being able to speak. They were trying to impeach uh, the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security. Let me see if I can pull this up. Oh, so I'm leave that. Oh, wait, that. Wait, why don't I get the video audio? Oh, here we go. To deal with the commission of. Here we go. This historical evidence is overwhelming that the Founding Fathers intended impeachment to be used to deal with the commission of indictable crimes and the abuse of power. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Corruption and I'm injury sorry. to the nation. What, what kind of crimes? Intended I- impeachment to be used to deal with the commission of indictable crimes. And no, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> to be used to deal with the commission of indictable crimes and the abuse of power. She's just reading from a book. I, I just, I love that she doesn't indictable. I mean, look, I stumble over words too, but I guess on top of being such a horrible person, uh, the border is uh, manageable if the Republicans would support the work that's being done by Border Patrol. The majority of people who are crossing the border in Texas, are turning themselves over to the authorities so they can apply for asylum or begin the process for uh, immigrating legally. Uh, There have been more deportations than there were under Trump, under the rapist Trump. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, Maybe we just keep saying these things over and over again. If the... how are we at the point where we're choosing between a leader with a tremendous amount of experience, with state statesmanship, with uh, guiding our economy out of a pandemic to the point where we now uh, have avoided a recession, have had one of the, the best rebounds in, in an economy around the world. Gas prices have gone down. Uh, people are now happy with their 401ks. And the other choice is a rapist. Like there are a lot of other things too, but he's a rapist. How is how is this even a choice? How are we considering this? I, I really, these are your choices. Someone who says they will be a dictator on day one, which means he intends to be a dictator and destroy all the the administrative norms that we have built over years, the institutional experience and knowledge that people have gathered. 
and have in whatever way you can argue about the efficiency or the efficacy of our government. But he wants to destroy all of that. And people are willing to blow everything up because they hate women. They hate the LGBTQ plus community. They uh, certainly don't want to hear about our history, our very complicated uh, history when it comes to people of color, whether it's our Native Americans or black people or people coming across the border. By the way, that border moved Texas was Mexico. There are a lot of people in Mexico, Nevada, New Mexico, I mean, in Arizona and California, Colorado. These were all Mexico. Okay, I shouldn't go on a rant. Uh, oh, Dan from Palatini wants to chime in. Dan, are you, are you, do you, have, Hello, you friend. have you committed any indictable offenses? I was just going to say, I'm surprised that uh, Marjorie Trailer Green didn't mention that Donald Trump was indicted for separate criminal cases. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, I can't believe. He was indicted because I, he I addicted. I'm sorry, the, what? <laughs> right. I, I was listening to some of the hearings, and I cannot believe that some of these people are actually like elected representatives. I just, it, it just blows my mind. That is, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. What's, which stories are, are jumping out at you? What, what are you following the closest? Uh, are you, the, did you watch the uh, social media hearings yesterday? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, I think it was, for once, we saw Republicans and Democrats agreeing on something. Um, whether or not any action is going to come of it, I will we'll have to wait and see. But it's been like, what, 20, 25 years since the Internet was born or something, and there hasn't been any meaningful regulation on it um, since then. And Josh Hawley, who you know made Mark Zuckerberg turn around and apologize to everybody, which didn't really seem like a sincere apology, um, but my favorite part was when they asked if anybody, if anybody, if any one of those CEOs was willing to support legislation to regulate, and it was like silence. Nobody even moved. And uh, I forget who I forget you asked the yeah. question, but they said, please, "Chairman, please let the record show that this was a stunning silence or something like that." They just sat there. So I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen with this. I really don't. Um, it's the wild west, and yeah. they're, they're, but they're still making their billions of dollars. So what do they care? Exactly. That's what I was thinking about. You know, the the time to, if they wanted to be serious about this, they would have done this years ago. There, people have been begging right. for legislation, and we're begging for legislation not just for social media, but for art, artificial intelligence, like all these things. I, I, Dan, I, I was in. A, I'm not going to say whose office, I would, because I'm, I'm working very closely with, with several legislators on um, on bills mm-hmm. and policies, and they were telling me that there like there was there was funding that was supposed to go through for a certain organization for a certain field of workers and the uh it was it was it was set aside and it's the money has just never been released like the office that's responsible for it just has not paid these people and never and, and there's then, no accountability there's no accountability and then there are like there's a there was other legislation that there was supposed to be this curriculum for a certain profession and in the in the hopes of filling certain positions that are are there's a shortage and there there's an organization that's like, yeah, we haven't really come up with that curriculum. So now we're just, they're like, it's going to take another year or two. Like, this is just at the state level. I, 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 I it's right. very, it can be very hard sometimes to work in the government and not be crazy. I agree. There's so much bureaucracy that everybody has to deal with, and it's ridiculous, actually. But like I said, no, there's no accountability. It's, it's, um, I don't know. Like, it's, again, they're trying to hold the Homeland Security Secretary, quote unquote, accountable for following the law of the land, yeah. which both Democrats and Republicans say is a broken system. Some want to fix it. 
Republicans refuse to do anything about it because it might help Joe Biden. Because right now it's yeah. just the border, the border, the border. That's it. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's insane. It's crazy. It is crazy. But yeah, anyway. Are you well, on great chatting with you. I just wanted thank to chime in. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you- I'll, uh, yeah we'll be in on Sunday. Uh, I'm trying to get uh, uh, some folks on to talk about Black History Month. Um, and then uh, next week we're going to be pre-recording with um, – well, you, you watch Stephanie Miller. Frangela is going to be doing oh. a 30-minute segment with us. Oh, how cool. So um, that'll air on the next the following Sunday. So, and I think I have the ACLU coming on that Sunday, too. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun month. Outstanding. Wonderful. So tune in on yeah. Sunday morning with a Palatini. That's Megan Kelly. Not that one. And Dan Schaefer. Also not that one. <laughs> and, well, in, in Megan's case, the, the other Dan Schaefer is much cooler than me. The other Megan Kelly. My Megan Kelly is much cooler than the other Megan oh, Kelly. Oh, stop. Stop. But, uh, no. Do you have an idea what the, co- the cocktail will be this weekend? Um... No, I have no idea. I have not thought of that yet. I'm pouring a martini now, though, so maybe it'll just do that. Nice. We'll see. Well, uh, cheers. Yeah. Cheers to you. Well, it's Enjoy. good to chat with you as always. Yes. Salud, my All friend. All right. Have a good rest of your show. Thanks, Dad. Right. Take care. Coming up next, thank you. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Ricky Wilchins when we come back. You know what? I'm going to find out how to say Ricky's name so that I'm more respectful in just a moment. Uh, Thank you for hanging out with us as we drive it home. WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am so excited to have our next guest on the air with us. Ricky Wilchins joins us. And, you know, Ricky, I want to thank you so much. I'm glad that someone reached out because, uh, you know, so many of us uh, who do, we hear these stories about uh, transgender le- laws that, that people are trying to put on the books of banning people who are cross-dressing or, or performing in drag performances or people who just want to exist. And, and Ricky Wilchins is a, a transgender rights grassroots activist and has and she is uh, joining us to I, I would I would say to kind of guide us a little bit as to how we got here uh, when Texas came for our kids is available where you buy books and uh and ricky first of all hi how are you doing hi thanks for having me patty it's fun listening to the lead into your show you guys are really bringing it up uh i'm trying i mean you know here in chicago you know <laughs> you know we try to reach as much as we can uh and i and sometimes i get angry um Sometimes I, I get uh, sad, uh, and sometimes I just plead with people. Uh, I, I just, what is it like for you, um, having seen and, and, and fought for so much and tried to educate people and see us dragged back backwards so violently in the last several years? You know, in 2016, I remember watching as uh, Loretta Lynch, um, black woman who was attorney general under Obama looked at the trans community now through the lens of the television and said, we see you. And I turned to my, my wife of 25 years and my uh, 10 eight year old daughter and said, Oh my God, we're finally normal. Well, that was 2016. By 2019, the evangelical Christian right had pivoted and decided to declare war on transgender kids. They lost out on the battle for a gay marriage and they were adrift and they, as the head of the organi- some of the organizations have said, they threw mud against the wall. And the one thing that two people seemed to be really pissed off was the idea of transgender kids, about which they didn't know much beyond their own prejudices, but that was enough. And uh, four years ago, transgender kids could change their names, pronouns, 
dress, they could undergo hormone pre- treatments when they went into puberty and so forth without any problem in all 50 states. Nobody thought anything of it. Now there have been bills introduced in over 40, 43 states, I think, right now, uh, or, or 1,500 bills and counting. I've lost track. It's like 1,500 bills in the last two years alone. Uh. Last week, the state of Missouri, the state of Missouri held nine different hearings on nine different bills in one day. It's like the state, the state of, yeah, the state of Missouri. The state of Missouri probably has more cattle in it <laughs> and dogs than it does transgender yes. kids. But that's all they did for a full day with full hearings on transgender kids because they desperately need to mobilize uh, their voters to turn out and vote for Trump. And that's what this is. It's a crusade, a religious crusade against transgender kids as a sacrificial lamb to try to turn out the base to vote for Trump. It is. Uh, and, and look, we, we've, it's not like we haven't seen this before where there's an issue that becomes a galvanizing uh, element to a political movement. Phyllis Schlafly was able to kill the ERA movement uh, and, 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 you know, wrapped uh, abortion into that. And, and there's this fervor. Uh, you know, there are people in Chicago where uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's very conservative. And he said that there was a, a boy who wanted to go to a father daughter dance and uh, and, and where dress and i was like yeah okay and he goes well uh, can you believe that and i was like yeah but what do you why do you care that's i guess that's for for people like me it's hard to understand why people care so much and 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 part of it because i know you've done so much work in this area is i guess it challenges their what they believe and so and not consciously but like if 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 anyone can be whoever they can express themselves any way they want well what does that say about me and my identity and my beliefs i guess that's all wrong is that deep down there somewhere in your experience well, you know, it's a religious war. I'm part of a religious war with evangelist movements like white Christian nationalists is they have to control what everybody else says. And that's why you see the whole war on abortion. It's like, it's not that they don't want to have abortions. They don't want anybody else to have abortions right. either. It's not that they don't want to be gay. They don't want anybody else to be gay. And so on and so forth. And it's, it's, a, it's a mindset that has to control everything. Otherwise, you have real biblical stuff, dogs and cats living together. Who knows what could happen next? And, you know, they're, they're on a control frenzy right now to control people's bodies. But it's different, though. I agree with you about the whole thing with Phyllis Leslie. Um, um, but the difference here is that they're picking on kids. And yes. that, I think, is new. That is completely new. They're going after defenseless kids and their families. I mean, one of the reasons that I wrote this book, it actually came out of an earlier book called When Loving Your Kid is a Crime. I interviewed dozens of families, and because they were in red states, most of them were Republicans who overnight found that loving their kids and taking care of their transgender kids and following proper medical advice was against the law. And they have since had to flee their homes, and in many cases their careers and their life savings, uh, because they love their kids and they don't want to press suicidal kids and they want to follow the best medical advice. In fact, according to some estimates, there are between 150 and 200,000 internal displaced political refugees in the U.S. today, most of them families who have had to flee red states because they have transgender kids. So this is something new. We're criminalizing love. We're criminalizing taking care of your parents. This is the party. It's just all for parental rights. Until you want to let your kids change their name or a boy put on a dress and suddenly the state has to step in, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, because I guess they see it as extension of their, their religion. Their, they feel like they're, they're, you know, crusaders, uh, and, and they have some imagined idea. I mean, the whole, 
fact that we had to sit and watch committee hearings and hear people, was it Blackburn, who was like, can you tell me what a woman is? And these dramatic, very theatrical moments ago, see see how stupid the liberals are. They don't even know and, and they don't understand biology when they themselves don't understand science, biology, and just, I, I would say, kindness in general, wouldn't you? Well, you know, you're exactly right, Kay. We used to think of the Republicans as from the smart party because they were the same thinkers, and now it's all just become, you know, knee-jerk, you know, evangelical Christian ideals, and that's it's, it's You know, no one wants to sound anti-religion. I want to make a point for your listeners that evangelical Christian nationalism is not so much a religion as the politicization of Jesus' gentle message of loving other people, right? Okay? It's It's the politicization of religion, and what we're seeing is basically a religious war. The war against brown people coming across the border, the war against black people here in America, the war against women's rights, and the war against, you know, LGBT people. This is a religious war. The Republican Party is no longer a political party. It is a religious movement. And it is at war not just with us as transgender people. It is at war with secular society itself and the idea of science and reason. They want a biblically mandated society in which everything is controlled by straight white Protestant males. And that's what we're fighting. And that's what Trump meant when he said, I alone can fix it. That's what was broken. Wow. Um, it is still, it is bizarre to me. And, and I'm with you as well. I know that, and, I, and I've been telling uh, our audience that I know that I sound sometimes dismissive about religion. And I think you hit that on the head. It's the evangelicals. And it's separate from Christianity in my mind. Almost nothing that I see uh, the right-wing extremists, the evangelicals, and the neo-fascists, I, I, hardly any of it seems to have any basis in Christianity, whether it, it comes to treating people with dignity, w- how they want to live, or people wanting to come to this country and raise their family and be safe. And, like, none of it seems to be based in that. And I and I think that a lot of people, and, and in my house, we, we've had these conversations for a long time. Uh, my son had been drawn at a young age to uh, YouTube uh, philosophers talking about gender and about... Uh, because uh, I asked him one time, I'll tell you the moment that I went, oh, this is a different generation that I grew up in. I asked my son when he was in seventh grade, I said, do you have any, do you have a crush on any of the girls? And he's like, not really. And I said, do any of the girls have a crush on you? And he's like, why do you keep asking if it would only be girls? And I was like, oh, okay. Hey, duly noted. <laughs> it's, I, I myself have my own, you know, I was like, I, I have, I've been schooled by my son is the assumptions, right? We haven't had a conversation and, he, and, and that was his way of telling me I'd like to talk about this more. And we have, and it's been wonderful. Yeah, one of the points that I make in, in, in uh, when, when Texas came for our kids, um, which is drawn from the fact that Texas actually overnight criminalized, you know, made it a, a, a felony child abuse to take care of your transgender kid, um, is that you know, the movement that is doing this, um, think, think, of, um, think of the QAnon shaman, you know, the painted guy from January 6th assault on the Capitol. That's what white Christian nationalism looks like. It has really nothing to do with religion. It's religious-themed intolerance, but it really has nothing to do with you know, anything that you and I would identify as, as religion. It's an attempt to impose a certain kind of you know, morality on everybody else, and as such, it's very authoritarian, and it wants to punish and hurt everybody. I mean, you know, Trump is running on this whole deal, I'm going to get your revenge. So, you know, he wants revenge against black and brown people and trans people and gay people and women and everybody else who's, you know, 
pushing for a different kind of, you know, inclusive and, and secular society. So this is <laughs> this is the battle that we're engaged in. Kids, as you pointed out, are way, way ahead of the curve on this. Uh, and my daughter's generation, I actually started to say two days as your son, the teenage generation, they're way ahead of the curve on this, even, you know, the ones who live in red states. And I think we're going to see a very different world. This may be actually the last big stand that we're going to see where they, you know, can push these things. Because whatever, whatever ground they're losing today on abortion or on LGBT rights, they're never going to get it back. And this is it. We win this. We win this one. We're going to win it all. And I think that's going to happen. It's just going to take a long time. That's but I think we will win it. That's what I was going to say. It was first first November has to be won, and then and then we uh, you know keep clawing back a lot of these uh, issues that were hijacked by by right wing extremists. And I I think one of the one of the topics I want to talk about, and I and I know you've worked on this, is how harmful it can be to to people when it comes to gender norms and expectations. And and I I've been trying to figure like work through these ideas in that you know what we expect from a, a woman or a man or, or you know is all kind of how do I put this it's made up right what, what we what we wear is some it, it can depend on traditions or fashion or what's in what's in vogue it's all like it, we're making this up as we go and there and people want to make it so rigid does that make sense what I'm what I'm you know, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm you know, the, the Cole Porter song, you know, when, uh, about, you know, the, <laughs> about anything goes, about yeah. looking at, you know, women's ankles. I mean, you know, around the turn of the century, not this one, the last one, kind of hurts to say that. But, you know, looking at a woman's well-turned ankle as she got out of a carriage is a big deal. Well, who stares at ankles anymore today? I mean, come on. But, you know, we forget that these things change over time. They change across cultures. You know, yes, the, 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 the buzzword, if you're an academic, is socially constructed. We create these kinds of meanings, and then we think they must be out there naturally. But a lot of what we think about bodies just ain't really there. It's, and that's okay. You know, there's a lot of things that are socially constructed. I don't know about you, but I like money. Money is a socially con- social construction. Right. doesn't mean it's not important to me. I really like I really like getting money. So, you know, I compare it to like a cookie cutter. The cookie wasn't there before you stamped it, but afterwards it sure tastes good to eat, you know? So gender is like that. And, you know, we're still fighting this kind of battle over, you know, all these are linked by gender. Women's women's reproductive rights, the right to gay marriage and to be openly gay, the right to be transgender. These are all linked around the same thing. It's all about the, the, the need to control the body. Yeah. and other people's desire to control. And you're right, by the way. I don't know why people care so much. I was on with the right-wing bigot, and I don't want to mention the station. And at one point he said, you know, you know, why have you done that to your body? I said, you, what? I said, you have no idea what I've done to my body. He just kind of froze. And I said, look, I don't know what's between your legs, but you know what? I don't want to think about it or talk about it. Why do you want to think and talk about mine? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why are you putting yourself in that in that in that space? It's very it's very weird. And then, you know, what a lot of people ask me about are sports. I, I, man, as a as an athlete, I was an athlete in grade school and in high school, and uh, I don't remember anybody caring about women's sports or girls' sports. We were lucky to have enough. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what what is this? Like, you know, they're not showing yeah, up for women's so girls' sports. Is, is like you said, is lack of equipment, lack of coaching, and lack of facilities. It's not that one trans and mom put it to me this way. She said, "All my daughter wants to do." is sing uh, songs by Taylor Swift on the bus home from the game and throw up from doing too many burpees with her friends. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. These girls are not competing for multi-million dollar prizes on the national stage. This is about bonding. Nobody really cares. You know, they're making this, you know, this big deal. And what's bizarre to me is the same, the same uh, Republicans who were, you know, attacking trained kids pivoted 180 degrees and suddenly are posing as the ones who want to protect them from all these horrible invasive medical procedures. It's like, give me a break. You know, it's whatever way the wind blows. They're just finding something to animate the troops. And that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I have a brother-in-law. I, someday, someday maybe we'll have another conversation. I'll tell you about my brother-in-law in D.C. because um, he works with Clarence Thomas. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, and by oh, that for, is here or there. Whoa, whoa! You can't just drop that. Yeah, that is here and here, there. Yeah. So his name is. Uh, so sorry, my husband's gonna be really mad at me. Uh, Mark Paoletta, who is Ginny Thomas's lawyer and was instrumental in getting Clarence Thomas on oh. the Supreme Court, and oh. as well as doing the mock hearings for Brett Kavanaugh. Of our time. Yeah. Well, he also. The worst tourist of our time. Oh, no doubt about it. And he also got uh, the last three on the bench as well on the Supreme Court. Um, but he keeps sharing. So he'll share like things and not just in, in, in the you know sort of vein that we're talking about. It's always like people of color who are committing crimes. And then it's the swimmer, the woman who has been very outspoken. Uh, and that's. Leah Thomas. Yes. And, and I'm like, OK, so again, one instance that they're that they're holding up as sort of this. Look, look at how look at all the harm it's done. Right. I, I, I really I, I don't get it. Mia Thomas has lost plenty of races to cisgender women. It's not like she's some uber superwoman who came over from a <laughs> Nazi lab or something. She's lost plenty of races. And by the way, while we're talking about bodily advantages, Mark Phelps is. He rotated an unnatural angle, which gives him a better kick. He has an enormous wingspan, and he also has a different, um, I forget the name of the condition, but the way his thorax is created, he can actually do different things with his thorax that gives him better extension when he's doing the butterfly. But nobody says, oh, we're going to throw him out. He has, uh, he has bodily advantages that other men don't have. We also don't throw basketball players at a high school basketball because they're too big. Did you see LeBron when he was 18? He looked like an NBA player playing against the Oompa Loompas. I mean, it was ridiculous. But nobody said, oh, LeBron can't play. He's too big and strong. The guy already weighed like 220. I mean, he's probably the best player of all time. Nobody said, oh, we can't let him play. He's too big and strong. But if it's a transgender woman, oh, my God, women's sports is imperiled. Stop the presses. Give me a break. And And you know what? Your son probably doesn't care. If you were in this whole conversation, you go, so what? Let her swim. Exactly. kids don't care about this stuff. It it just doesn't matter. And that's the one. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, and I'm sorry if there are athletes who they're, they've been training and they feel like something's been taken from them. Life's not fair, too. We're, what, what happened to the life's not fair suck it up buttercup? Whatever happened to that? Is that just for us? <laughs> I don't know. You know, and it, 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 transgender women are not a threat to other women. Transgender girls in the locker room are not a threat to other girls. Transgender boys are... I mean, this is all this is all fear mongering. We saw this whole thing back. You said, you know, way back when with Phyllis Shafley, we were going to have gender neutral bathrooms where males would come in and prey on women. Ugh. And then later on, we had here down in Florida, they were going to have homosexual teachers out homosexuals teaching our children in the schools. Basically, meaning every every day as a groomer, which by the way has come back again. Now they're shouting, "Stop grooming our kids!" At every gay person they can find. You know, these things cycle re-endlessly because they animate the base. The rest of society has moved on. So, you know, I think that we're going to, I think we are seeing the last gasp of this, but it's going to be a very long, painful gasp for all of us. I feel for, 
you know, women who have to cross state lines because they want to control their own bodies and queer families, who have, I'm sorry, straight families with queer kids who have to flee their states. I mean, this is just, we're having, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, a, I hate to use the word now, but it's going to be a mini Holocaust uh, if you're on the wrong side of the tracks and you're in a red state because they are just going to beat us with the ugly stick for quite some time. But I think you're right. Hopefully this election will be the turning point. We've been waiting for that turning point most of my life, back since Nixon. But you might be right, Patty. Maybe this one's finally it. Well, I, I hope so. And I, I appreciate you uh, sharing your insight. And uh, the book, again, is called When Texas Came for Our Kids. Uh, this is the uh, definitive story of how, how it happened, how the, one case essentially, right? I need to have you back on so we can talk about this case in Austin. Uh, the custody I would battle. love to do this again. Yes, please. Let's let's do it in the next couple of weeks. Again, <laughs> Ricky Wilchin's book is, is When Texas Came for Our Kids. Um, and I want to, uh, folks, read it so that when we have the next conversation, you can call and share your thoughts as well. I wish you a wonderful evening uh thank your wife for reaching out to us and uh, and encouraging us to have you on okay. because uh i you are uh just a, a, a really you've done so much great work in this space and i hope that we uh we hold up our end of the bargain and uh and push back on this kind of aggression good fight out there <laughs> yep thank you so much ricky have a great night My pleasure. take care you too bye-bye Let's take a quick break here. We'll wrap up when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. We are driving it home, and I'm your host, Patty Vasquez. We are uh, wrapping it up as we uh, head into the evening. want to thank everyone for hanging out with us. I want to uh, just read one text that Mary sent because it's such a good point. And it, we were talking earlier about the hearings uh, yesterday in Congress about the uh, role that social media has played in uh, the death. And, and several parents were in the gallery and they have lost children to bullying and online harassment, may, partly taking their own lives or violence uh, as a result. And Mary says, uh, in addition to holding tech giants like TikTok and Facebook, Facebook totally responsible for cyberbullying and online child predators, why are we asking parents what what is your part in this? Who gave your your kids the phone? Why aren't parents monitoring more closely what their children are doing online? I rarely hear parents sharing responsibility. I think it's an I can't read that far away. Uh, Abdication of responsibility. It's not in 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 uh, in dictament. <laughs> Sorry, of responsibility as a parent to totally blame the tech giants for the negative effects of the internet. Uh, yes, I. Uh, oh, we have to run, but I. I did not. I think I gave my son a phone when he was of the legal age to be on Facebook. I think you have to be twelve or older, or is it thirteen? Um, but I, I think that some people just gave over too much ground, and just figured it was just easier to go along with uh, the rest of the parents who are giving their kids phones. And I'm not. It's not an excuse. I'm just giving you context. Um, I, I would often, and I shouldn't say this, but I would, I would once in a while snoop. A little bit and see what he was up to. I mean, when he was 13, I, I think it was still within my rights. Sorry, Steve. I don't know if you knew that I did that, but there it is. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us, everybody. Alejandro did a great job. We lo- I look forward to seeing you again next week, my friend. Uh, tomorrow, we have another great show. We are going to, um, of course, do First Timer Friday. So don't forget to tune in and call in if you never have. Mike Creed's up next with Devil's Advocates. Bye, everybody.